so many desires that we have. But the truth of the matter is we're going to have to make a decision in life. You know, we like to talk about priorities, that is, priorities in the plural. But did you know that the word, according to Greg McEwen, the word priority, the word priority came into the English language in the 1400s, way back then, and it meant the very first or prior thing. And did you know it stayed singular, priority, for the next 500 years. It wasn't until the 1900s that we began to pluralize the word and start talking about priorities. He said, illogically, we, are, we reasoned that by changing the word, we could bend reality. Somehow we would now be able to have multiple first things and people and companies try to do just that. And I think he's right. But we can't have multiple first things in our life. I mean, that's just an impossibility. We have to make a choice. Now, I mentioned this today because we're looking in the Gospel of Matthew, if you have your Bible, in the Gospel of Matthew, the sixth chapter this morning. And, you know, we're talking about verses that we need to know. And we're encouraging you to memorize the verse, to meditate on the verse, and post it all around during the week, and really go over it over and over and over again this past week, First uh, John chapter 3 and verse 2. But today we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 6, and it may be a familiar verse to you, but it's talking about our priority, our first thing. And our verse today, and we'll read more of the passage, but let me just give you the verse first, is Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Would you read that out loud? It's on the screen in front of you. Would you read it out loud with me? But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now you have to understand when it says to seek first His kingdom, He's not just talking chronologically. It's speaking of first importance, or the main thing, or the thing above every other thing. That which comes before anything else. You know, preachers have preached messages like this, and I probably have in my time as well, where they say things like, well, give God the first part of your day, and give God the first part of your finances, and give God the first part of your week, and give God the first part of the decisions that you have to make. And I get it. It's a good way to preach and emphasize, I guess, uh, prayer and devotions and going to church and tithing and so forth. But I think that kind of message really misses the mark 
of what this verse is teaching. Why? Because it implies that we give God the first part and then the rest is ours to keep. But that's not the idea at all. Um, It's not giving him the first part only. It's giving him everything. We're focused on his kingdom and his righteousness. It's a focused decision that every moment and every action is going to be for his kingdom and his righteousness. It's the idea of surrender. It's the idea of a lordship. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's look at the passage together. You're there in Matthew chapter 6. And I want to back up and read beginning at verse 24 and kind of get the setting of where this verse lives. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, and we'll read down through verse 34, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or God and money. So a choice has to be made. You can't have multiple priorities. You cannot serve two masters. Verse 25, Therefore I say to you, now watch this, Do not worry about your life. Boy, that's a good word for today, isn't it? We'll talk more about it. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Remember, these are the very words of Jesus here. Verse 30. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry. Watch this saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Then our verse today. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. And then for those who may be anxious about tomorrow. Verse 34 says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, you may have noticed that the word worry appears multiple times here. I read that from the New King James Version, and the word worry, or a form of it, is used six times. And by the way, I don't know if you noticed the phrase, do not worry, was used three times. So if you didn't get it the first time, he said it a second time. If you didn't get it the second time, he said it a third time. Do not worry. Now that sounds easy enough, doesn't it? Do not worry. Like that old song that came out years ago that whenever you heard it got stuck in your head. You remember it? Don't worry. Be happy. See, y'all heard it too. Now it's stuck in your head. Sorry about that. Uh, But there's more to it than just telling ourselves don't worry or telling each other don't worry. There has to be some meat behind that message. There has to be a reason why we can honestly say to each other, do not worry. And Jesus tackles the whole idea of worry head on here. And this whole idea of worry is not new. I mean, think about it. This is Jesus speaking to the people back in his time. And he's saying to them, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. And it tells us that worry is not new. And it reminds us that we can worry, and sometimes we do worry, for a number of reasons. First of all, we worry about the necessities of life. The necessities of life. 
He brings up three important things there. Food, drink, and clothing. These are basic necessities. We have to have these things to live. And um, we can worry about them and we can fret about them. But Jesus says, listen, don't worry about them. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your survival in the sense of where you're fretful and anxious. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with these things he mentions. We have to have food. We have to have something to drink. We have to have clothing. God made us that way. We, we can't survive without these things. But we're not supposed to worry about them. But we worry about the necessity of life. How are we going to meet the needs to survive? And then we also worry about the uncertainty of life. Did you notice that? Look at verse 34 again. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We worry about tomorrow. Why? Because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, we worry that maybe our loved one is going to get sick or die. We worry we're going to run out of money. We, we're going to lose our job. We worry about our country and our, our kids' future and our grandchildren's future. We worry about a whole host of things. There's no lack of things to worry about. But what it really boils down to is we worry because we are not in control. And we like to be in control. And we realize that we're not in control and we can't change what's going to happen tomorrow. And we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so we worry. But worry is fruitless. Worry is useless. Look at verse 27. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? In other words, how many can worry themselves taller? Well, if that were possible, a lot of people have already done that. Imagine if you could worry yourself skinnier. It just doesn't happen. Um, some translations put it this way. Um, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Um, in other words, you can't worry yourself taller or make yourself live longer by worrying. And it's useless. It's fruitless. Uh, it's downright sinful. Why? Because Jesus says, do not worry. Not just one time, not just two times, but three times in this very passage. He says, do not worry. Do you realize how destructive worry really is? Think about it. When we worry, we disobey God. We, we doubt God. And we drain the energy from our day, our lives, and our faith. That's what worry does. And it may be that you're here today and you're filled with worry. And the reality is, when you do that, you're doubting God, you're disobeying God, and you're draining the energy from your life and your day and your faith. Uh, the great author Max Licato said it this way, worry is the burlap bag of burdens. The burlap bag of burdens. It's overflowing with what ifs and howls. And he writes it out that way. What if after all my dieting I find that lettuce is fattening and chocolate isn't? How will we pay our baby's tuition? What ifs and howls? The burlap bag of worry. Cumbersome. Chunky. Unattractive. Scratchy. Irritating to carry and impossible to give away. No one wants your worries. The truth is you don't want them either. No one has to remind you of the high cost of anxiety, but I will anyway, he writes. Worry divides the mind. It splits our energy between today's priorities and tomorrow's problems. The result is half-minded living. But Hebrews 4.16 encourages us to boldly approach the throne of our gracious God where we may receive mercy and in His grace find timely Help. God's help is timely. God will do the right thing at the right time. And what a difference that makes. So the truth of the matter is he's right. We don't want our worry, but we don't know what to do with it. 
I mean, we want to just say, oh, I'm not going to worry about it anymore, but we find ourselves worrying about it anyway. Well, let's look a little bit more at our passage here and think about this whole idea of worry. And I want you to notice that after Jesus mentions the priority or the necessities of life, rather, uh, he talks about priority here. And he says this in verse 33. And notice it begins with the word but. Notice the contrast. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, Jesus says, don't worry, but do this instead. And Gusick in his writing said that uh, Jesus didn't just tell them to stop worrying. He told them to replace worry with something else. Replace worry with a concern for the kingdom of God. A habit or a passion can only be given up for a greater habit or passion. So it's not just saying, okay, don't worry. You ever tried that? I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to worry about that. Or you tell somebody else, don't worry about it. And yet you still find yourself worrying about it. They still find themselves worried about it. Why? Because you have to replace it with something else. And Jesus says, don't worry about those things, but instead... Concern yourself with the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. It really boils down to this. Are we going to serve God's kingdom or our kingdom? We cannot serve both. We cannot have two masters. We're going to serve him or we're going to serve ourselves. You know, it's interesting and it can be downright convicting. So I'll warn you before I say this. When you really begin to consider just how much time and effort and energy and money and attention we we put into building up ourselves and building up our own self-kingdoms. A, a concern for our life, even the basic necessities, can become idolatry as we build up our kingdoms. I mean, think about it. Jesus says here, don't worry about what you eat. Right? And yet we have a full television network that's all about food. It's called the Food Network. And we spend time not only eating, but thinking about food and thinking about recipes and watching people prepare food and watching people eat food. I mean, he says, don't worry about food. Yeah, we could spend all of our time focused on food. He said, likewise, don't worry about what you drink. Yeah, think about the millions of dollars, maybe even billions of dollars that advertisers spend on getting you to desire to drink their beverage. I mean, just think about it. You just go to a, a big ball game and just, just the money that's put in, just what kind of drink you're going to drink there. He says, don't worry about what you're going to drink. And then he says, what? Don't worry about what you're going to wear. But then we look at the fashion industry. And I mean, you think about that. And, and, and people that just, you know, magazines and all these things about fashion. And, and, and it's not the idea that Jesus didn't want you to eat good food or, or, or have nice clothes or, or drink things like that. But the, the, the thing is, we can spend our whole lives Worried about things that really don't matter as much as we think they matter. Focused on what we're eating and drinking and wearing and our houses and our cars and our pleasure and our vacations. In other words, we're focused on our kingdom. We're building our kingdom. And we give our energy to building our kingdom. And that's why we worry so much. Why? We worry because we're frantically trying to amass and accumulate and to insulate ourselves to dress right and look right and eat right and do right and build up our kingdom as little kings and queens. And then we worry about it. Why? Because we worry, well, what if I don't make it? What if I can't keep it? We're afraid we're going to lose it because we're building our own kingdom. And Jesus says you can't serve two masters. 
You cannot serve two masters. And, and so what happens is we build our own kingdom. We get focused on the here and now and everything right and what I'm wearing and, and what I'm eating, what I'm drinking and how my house looks and how my car is and, and this and that and get the kids in the right college and, and all these things. And what does that do? It brings anxiety and stress and worry in our lives because we're busy building our own kingdoms. And then we want to defend our kingdoms and preserve our kingdoms. We're focused upon the here and now instead of the then and there. We're too focused upon this world. I mean, think about it. We're so focused on our earthly home. We spend more time praying to keep sick Christians out of heaven than we do doomed sinners out of hell. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying there. Yes, we should pray for the sick. And we do that. But we should not neglect praying for those who are doomed and destined to an eternity of hell. We're so focused upon the earth and here and now. But Jesus says, listen, don't worry about those things. Instead, focus your attention. Give your priority to God's kingdom and God's righteousness. So he tells us what to do in verse 33. Look at it again. Matthew 6, 33. But there's a contrast. I mean, you look at it, he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or wear. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So he tells us basically two things. Uh, He says, first of all, seek the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. Now, what does it mean when it talks about the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Well, the kingdom being referred to here is his sovereign domain and rule over all things. To, to seek to live under His rule, His authority, His will. And, and His righteousness there means to do what is right, to obey Him. And so it's the idea of involving pursuing the things of the kingdom. He's already talked about it here in this passage. You remember back, we've studied this together before, in, in the Lord's Prayer. He talks about what? Our Father in heaven, look back at verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Lord's Prayer's first focus is upon the Lord and His kingdom and His will. And so He says here now in verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And our lives are to become centered and focused and active on building up the kingdom of God. You say, well, preacher, what does that look like? I like what a pastor said about this, Brandon Cox. And I copied his words into my notes. Listen to what he said. They're good words. He said, remember how we talked about priority versus priorities. Having multiple priorities is a modern Western idea. I've already shared that with you. We force from the ancient concept of a priori, which means the one most important thing. And getting your priorities in order is stressful. It's a lot. Marriage, kids, faith, work, other work, hobbies, health, finances, intellectual development, charity, on and on and on. And he says, how do you rank all those priorities? He says, I was taught this formula. Maybe you were taught it too. God first, then family, then church, then work, then everything else. But he says, here's the flaw. We start to see ourselves like a pie being divided up and everybody wants a piece and there isn't quite enough to go around. A few years ago, I made a decision, he says, to live for one priority, for one thing, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Each and every day, I wake up with a single priority to do in each moment what King Jesus directs 
and desires and nothing more. He said he based this decision on our verse today, Matthew 6.33. And he said, obviously, following Jesus well means loving my wife and kids and working hard and taking care of the people around me, including myself. But instead of having the stress of determining whom I must disappoint today, I have only the priority of whom to please, and that is King Jesus. See how freeing that is? To say, you know what? I have one priority in life, and that is I'm going to live for God's kingdom and His righteousness. And to live from that point outward in your relationships, in your family, in your work, in your schooling, in everything else. I think it was Rick Warner who says the idea of having Jesus at the center of the wheel or the hub, and then everything else flows from that. That's what he's talking about here, to have the kingdom of God and His righteousness first. Not, well, here's my spiritual piece of the pie, and here's my work piece of the pie, and here's my family piece of the pie, and here's my hobby piece of the pie. No, 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 no. It's all about God's kingdom and His righteousness. If I look at Matthew 6.33, I would summarize uh, this verse by saying, get your priority right, get your priority right, and peace will follow along with the promise of provisions. Peace will follow with the promise of provisions. Because he says there are all these things, which brings us to the second and final point, and that is we're to trust the Father. Did you notice this verse is a promise? Look at it again, Matthew 6. Let's begin at verse 31 this time. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? And then drop down to our verse, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. What things, Jesus? Verse 31. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, and what you're going to wear. Trust the Father. Now, first of all, you have to know the Father. You have to have come to faith in Jesus Christ. And if you've never done that, I would invite you to Christ today. Give your life to Christ. But even after we know Him as Father, we, we need to get to know Him better. And that's kind of what Jesus is pointing to here. He says, you don't have to worry. Why? Well, look at verse 32. Our Heavenly Father knows you, know, you need these things. This is not a new thing. He created you. He knows you need these things. Verse 26, He says, Our Heavenly Father, He takes care of the birds of, of the air. Now, I'll be honest with you. I, I've been living a long time and, and I've seen a lot of birds. I've never seen a bird out on a tractor. Never seen. I bet you birds never come in to buy a tractor from John Deere. I mean, they don't have to do that. Why? Because God provides for them. They're active. They're busy. But God feeds them. And are you not more valued than many of them? Verses 28 and 30 says, listen, and you don't have to look at the birds. Just look at the fields and see the wildflowers and the beautiful flowers that God has just, just painted there on the hillside. Shall He neglect you? In other words, Jesus just kind of looks around and He kind of uses the creation as an object lesson that day as He's talking to the people. Look at the birds. Look at the lilies of the field. Look around and see how the Father is taking care of those wonderful things and realize that He cares and loves those that are His own as well. Listen, beloved. Are you worried today? Are you fretful? Are you fearful? So, preacher, there's a lot to worry about. You know, there always has been. But you have to make a decision. Consider where your priority is. Not priorities, but your priority. Um, consider for a moment whose kingdom you're busy building. Is it your kingdom or is it God's kingdom? 
Consider for a moment, are you really seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness? You want to do what God wants you to do and what God says to do above all. Could it be that maybe there's some things not quite right in those areas and that's why you worry? But God says, Jesus says here, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. And verse 34 says, I think it's a good note to end on. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't worry. Instead, seek the kingdom and trust the Father. He will care for you. Let's pray together. Father, it is with a grateful heart we bow in your presence. And Lord, this is a verse that um, it's easy to read. We can grasp it and kind of understand what Jesus is saying here. But it's a verse that's not always easy for us to live out in our lives. We need your help. We need your enablement. I pray first of all, if anybody here today does not know Christ as Lord and Savior, that your Holy Spirit would bring them to himself even now. They would repent of their sin and place their faith in Christ alone. And then, Lord, for those who do know Christ, may we honestly allow the Holy Spirit to probe our heart and answer the question, are we really seeking God's kingdom and righteousness first in our life? Or are we busy building our own kingdom? Do a work in our hearts and lives that only you can do. And have your will and your way in all of our lives for your glory. We love you and we praise you. We thank you for this precious promise from your word. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with a little chorus. Talking about glorifying God, lifting him up, making him known. I hope you'll take this verse, Matthew 6.33, this week and really, really memorize it, meditate on it, allow the Holy Spirit to work it in your life and be honest with yourself and do some evaluation and see are you seeking first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Let's stand and sing the little chorus, Lord be glorified. Glorify, be glorified in
God bless you. Go in peace. God be with you.